How are you, church? It's good to be here with you this morning. Good to be here with you. If you're like most Americans, um, you don't have any trouble filling up your life. In fact, if you're like most Americans, you're probably living somewhere uh, between a rock and a hard spot called full and overflowing. I recently read a Psychology Today article that, uh, that really recounts the idea that, that we are a culture that is in a hurry, uh, that we're in a, a culture uh, that is so busy so often uh, that we actually are struggling with what psychologists are now calling hurry sickness. If you'll allow me, let me read just a little bit of the article. By definition, they say, hurry sickness is a behavioral pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. As if that isn't bad enough, it's also defined as a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered when encountering any kind of delay. That's not any one of you, is it? I don't know about you, but I know how it is when my internet goes down and it's not working fast enough. I don't know how, how you are when you go through the drive through and there's two cars in front of you and you think, this just isn't quite happening quick enough for me. Let's not even mention going to the store and trying to figure out which line is going to go faster and then you get in the line that you think is going to go faster and then you look over and notice that the person that you would have been behind is already leaving ahead of you. Hurry sickness. The USA Today National Survey revealed that the vast majority of Americans feel that they're busier this year than last year, and they'll be busier last year than the year before, and for better or worse, the pace of the life is just speeding up. So what does God give us? In the midst of a, of a crunch between uh, the full and the overflowing, uh, when our lives are busy, when we constantly are going, uh, when we're probably suffering at some level from hurry sickness, what is it that the Lord gives us? What button does He allow us to push so that we can reset our lives and do something else? I mean, if our, if our life is like a gauges on a car, it seems like for most of us, at least in this culture, uh, we're on red line, and, and, and given enough time uh, on the red line, we're going to blow a gasket or we're going to begin leaking places of our life out, and that's just not a healthy place to be. We've been in this series now for a couple of weeks, Healthy You, Healthy Church, and, and the idea behind this entire series is that, hey, if we're going to be a church that wants to help people find and follow Jesus, if we're going to create Christ-like community one neighbor at a time, then, then we uh, might need to be healthy. That when we're healthy, the church can be healthy. And maybe that means addressing this little area of our life where we're so busy, we catch ourselves coming and going. 
God gives us this tremendous day. God gives us a blessing in order to answer some of what we're facing. He gives us a 24-hour period of time. He gives us a gift. He wraps it up and he hands it to us in his word. And for those of us that will take it, we might just find that God has already established in the rhythm of our life a day where we can slow down, where we can reset, where we can find that our life isn't between the full and the overflowing, where we're not at red line anymore, where we're not leaking out pieces of our life all over everybody around us. God gives us a day. It's actually a day that he gave us in in ten commands that he gave us, ten objectives that he gave to his people. He said, I'm going to give you a day. Would you open up your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20? Exodus chapter 20 is there toward the very beginning of your Bible. Genesis, then Exodus. If you're reaching out for one of those pew Bibles, I believe it's page 52. It might be page 59. Sometimes the numbers in my head get jumbled. 52. Very, very good. Thank you. God gives us a day. God gives us the blessing of a day. Think about this day like a weekly snow day. God gives us a weekly snow day just that we could find that God gives a blessing for rest. Exodus chapter 20. Would you look with me in verse 8? It comes in the context of God giving ten commands to his people. We call them many times the ten commandments. They're these objectives that God was giving to his people that they needed to observe. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God gave us this Sabbath. Now, now what in the world is a Sabbath day? Sabbath, this word for Sabbath in the original language, really is, is a word that means to stop. It means to cease, to hold on. Sabbath means stop, slow down, don't do anything. God gave us a 24-hour period of time away from our normal work activity so that we just might stop. Now, for the longest time, I thought Sabbath meant Sunday, 
I think I grew up with this idea that Sabbath was Sunday, and I, I think I thought that because Sabbath and Sunday both started with S. Sabbath, Sunday, sounds good to me. But Sabbath is not a day of the week. It's a 24-hour period. Some of us have to work on Sunday. Some of you know what it's like. You have to work on occasion on a Sunday. But the Sabbath is not a day of the week. It's not Sunday. It's a 24-hour period of time where you stop your normal work activity. I got to college, and I thought, well, maybe Sabbath is Saturday. It starts with S, and now it's different. The Jews, if they're devout Jews, will still, to this very day, they come sundown on Friday through sundown on Saturday, we'll celebrate what they call Sabbath day. But there's nothing in Scripture that would suggest that for you and I that the Sabbath is either Saturday or Sunday. It is a 24-hour period of time. In fact, we don't have time to go there, but if you go through places in Leviticus, it seems that sometimes, even for the Israelites, the Sabbath day would change. But it, it was the same. It was the same idea. 24 hours of rest, of ceasing, of stopping your normal work activity. Uh, how many of you, if you were to be honest with yourself, would say, yes, I'm rushing, yes, I'm anxious, I need something. Well, God's giving it to you right here. It's a Sabbath day. Stop. Cease. 24 hours. Now, in addition to what it says about Sabbath, it, it, there's another word here. It's the, it's the very first word that you encounter when you come to this, uh, this passage of ten commands that God gives to his people about rest. Uh, he says, remember the Sabbath. Now, remember... If you and I were looking at this as, as people who were originally reading this or hearing it for the first time, uh, remember as just a way of saying, hey, now get it done. Do this. Observe this. Uh, make sure that when you come across every week in a period of seven days that, that you don't miss out on this one. Remember this. Don't forget it. Don't put it to the side. Put it on as a lead, red, red, bleh, bleh. put it as a red letter day on your calendar. Rest day, Sabbath day. This is my 24-hour block. It's my window. I'm going to rest. I'm going to cease from my normal work activity today. And I wonder if the angels in heaven, when when the, they were gathering around the scriptures, if when they came to remember the Sabbath day, they came up with a jingle, give you a break, give you a break, break yourself away from the weekly grind. Okay, maybe it needs some work, but I think that when they came around this day, they said, remember it. They were saying, hey, don't, don't forget, don't, don't let this uh, go into the back of your mind. Don't let yourself get so worried about what's happening today that you forget 
about this rhythm of a day that God is handing to you. Don't forget about this day. And, and did you notice how this day happens? Do you notice how, how we go about practicing this day? That when you and I come to this day and we decide, hey, we're going to take this 24-hour period of time away from our regular work activity, we're going to set aside this reset button that God has given to the rhythm of our life. Uh, did you notice how we're to practice it? He says, he says this, Keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. You can work the other six days of the week. You can work hard. You can do all the things that you're supposed to do. Did you notice six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. You shouldn't do work. You shouldn't have any of your people doing work. Your animals shouldn't be doing any work. Your foreigners residing with you shouldn't be doing any work. Rest. Uh, take a day. Make it holy. Now, what in the world does that mean? We just get up that morning, that particular 24-hour block that we've established that will be our rest day where we will cease from doing work. Do we just get up and think holy thoughts? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Do I have to sing five hymns that morning? Do I have to, to sing those in the shower as loud as I possibly can in order for that day to be holy? Do I have to open up my Bible and read at least five books or five chapters or memorize five verses before I'm able to go on uh, with that day in order to make it holy to the Lord? What does it mean to be keeping the Sabbath and make it holy? Well, holy, to make something holy is really to set it apart. By definition, to make something holy is to make it distinct. To say that this is a cut above all the rest. And so in the context of what God is saying in his word, he is saying, hey, all of you with all the rest of your week, this day, if you're going to make it holy, it's going to be a distinct day. You're going to set it aside next to all the other days, and you're not going to work on that day. It's not necessarily a day where you have to come and worship God in a place like this. It's not necessarily a day where you have to say, I'm going to memorize 10 verses. So some of you are sitting there saying, well, okay, then what, what in the world, what in the world do I do on this Sabbath day? How is it that I go about making this Sabbath day holy? How is it that I remember this and I cease from my normal everyday activities? What is it that brings your life delight? What is it that if someone were to ask you after this service, what is it that fills your life up? I came up with a whole list. I'm sure that you have some too. Uh, my list might be different than your list because maybe we like different things, but I came up with a few. Would you like to hear some? Maybe for you it's going fishing. On that day where there's a 24-hour day 
that ceases from your normal work activity that is a reset button for you that the Lord has given. One day out of seven, you're going to go fishing. Maybe it's a run. I love running. I love just to get out there by myself and smell the air. (sighs) Maybe for some of you, that's not a break. But for others of you, it's a long walk. Maybe you take your dogs or, or maybe you decide, you know what, I'm going to wrestle my children. I'm going to go and play with them in the backyard. I'm going to catch a ball game. I'm going to go to a movie. What is it that brings you rest? Rest away that, that, that is away from your normal, everyday work activity. Uh, that thing that, that resets who you are. That sets you in a much healthier place. That engages this rhythm that God has established in all of his creation. You work six days and the seventh day you rest. You cease. You stop. What is that thing? What is it for you? Now some of you, there's a danger in the Sabbath. Some of you are all on board. You're like, hey, rest day, I'm going to attack the Sabbath. I'm going to own every bit of the Sabbath, every hour, every moment. That's going to be a red-letter day for me, absolutely. I'm going to allow this rhythm to wash over me. But something is dangerous about the Sabbath. There's a disease that sometimes can creep into the Sabbath if we're not careful. And the disease is this disease of legalism. We begin to establish rules about what's work on the Sabbath. We begin to say, oh, 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 no, I can't do that on the Sabbath because that would be work. It's the very same sort of thing that Jesus encountered. When Jesus was on earth and he walked around, he was uh, in tension with other people, in particular about the Sabbath day, uh, because they had begun to establish all these extra rules about what was work and what wasn't work, and it became more work to try and obey the Sabbath than just simply resting. There was, in fact, a commentary written by the Jews about what was acceptable and unacceptable on the Sabbath day. I happen to bring a copy. (laughs) If you want some really good nighttime reading, it's called the Mishnah. It's this Jewish commentary about all sorts of things. One of them happens to be the Sabbath. What's acceptable on the Sabbath? To to give you an idea of the sorts of things that Jesus was arguing against, uh, let me... Let me give you, let me read to you a few uh, of the rules that were surrounding the Sabbath day. I actually, as I read through here, just snickered over and over. I thought, are you kidding me? Here's the first one. The main classes of work are 40 save one. Sowing, plowing, reaping, binding, sheaving, threshing, winnowing, cleansing crops, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, washing or beating or dyeing or spinning or weaving, making two loops, evidently not making one loop, that was okay, weaving two threads, 
I guess weaving one thread was okay, separating two threads, tying a knot, loosening a knot, sewing into stitches, tearing, uh, tearing in order to sew two stitches, hunting a gazelle, slaughtering, slaughtering or flaying a, or salting a skin, scraping it or cutting it, writing two letters, erasing in order to write two letters, building, pulling down, pulling up a fire, lighting a fire, striking with a hammer, and taking anything from a pot. Don't do any of those things. Now, it might get better. I like this one. If a man removed his fingernails by means of his nails or his teeth. And so, too, if he pulled out the hair of his head or his mustache or his beard. And so, if a woman dressed her hair or painted her eyelids or reddened her face. Anybody wearing makeup? (laughs) you're in compliance (laughs) this is another one of my favorites a man may take a hammer to crush walnuts or a hatchet to split a fig cake or saw to cut through cheese or a shovel to scoop up dried figs he can do all that But a man is not able to take a needle to sew. Do you begin to get the picture? There were so many rules that were coming around the Sabbath day that the Sabbath day failed to be what the Sabbath day was always supposed to be. Gang, it was always supposed to be a day of rest. It was supposed to be this 24-hour block of time where we just said, thank you, God, for a gift of rest. That's why Jesus is going to say, look, Sabbath wasn't made for man. man. The other way around, man wasn't made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. God didn't create the Sabbath day uh, and, and all of his glory and grandeur and sovereignty. He didn't look with all of his power and go, now I've got this wonderful day. What am I going to create for it? No, it was, it was quite the opposite. It's a day of rest. And you can delight yourself in knowing that the Lord is giving you a day, a rhythm of seven to say, take a break. Slow down. Smell the roses. Do that which delights your heart. Now, it's not just about our physical being. It's about our spiritual being because when you and I decide that we're going to celebrate this day, when we're going to take a 24-hour period of time, and we're going to stop what we normally is our work activity, and we're going to delight in what the Lord has given to us. When we do that, we say something significant to ourselves, to our God, and to all the people that are around us. Uh, did Did you notice what he says in the text He says it of the the Lord. He says it of the Creator God. He says in verse 11, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and He rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Do you realize back in Genesis 2 when God is creating everything, when He's creating human beings, when He's creating people like you and like me, He He says, the text, that God's Word says to us that God, when He created, created us in His image. In other words, we're to be like God. That on this path toward maturity, on on this path where, where we're longing for wholeness, it's this path to be more like Him. Do you realize that if you decide in your life, in your busy life, uh, in between full and overflowing, uh, in all the anxiousness and all the rushing and all the anxiety, that if you choose to take a Sabbath day, that what you're doing is you're pronouncing something powerful to God. You're saying, God, you know what? I want to be more like you. You rested, and I will rest. You took a Sabbath, and if you took a Sabbath, then I will take a Sabbath, and I will cease, and I will stop, and I will trust you. When we take a Sabbath, when we cease from one day out of seven, when we stop our normal work activity so that God can give us a snow day, we say to God, God, I trust you. I trust you more than I trust me. I trust that you're still in control of the entire universe. I trust that uh, you are still at the right hand, Jesus, of God. And that you're holding the universe in your hand. That this universe does not revolve around me and that if I stop working for one day out of seven, the world is not going to collapse around me. Because ultimately, I'm not in control. I'm not in charge, but you are. Now, I can almost hear some of you. Your minds and your thoughts have already reached mine. You're yelling at me right now. Not going to happen. Can't happen. You don't know my life. God, I can't stop. I can't get everything done. I have too many emails. I have too many miles. I have too many patients. I have too many documents. I have too much reading. I have too many uh, papers to complete. Some of you have already gone to God. Sorry, uh, this day is off limits. I got to work. There's a verse. It occurs later on in Exodus. It's Exodus, actually, 34. And and God begins to say to his people, I know, I know, you're you're so busy. I know that you're rushed. I know that you're anxious. I know that you're going to be tempted to say, I'm not going to take a Sabbath. Maybe I'll take one in 10. Maybe I'll take one in 15. Maybe I'll take one in 12 months. But not one in seven. I just, I couldn't do it. It won't happen. And God says to his people, hey, listen. God says to his people, hey, people, 
even when you're the busiest, even when you think that you have everything to lose and nothing to gain, even when life is pouring its chaos down on you, I want you to take a Sabbath day. Look at chapter 34, would you please? Chapter 34. Verse 21. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Now, now get this. That's not new, but this is. Even during plowing season and harvest, you must Rest. I just let the air out of the balloon, didn't I? It's your busiest time. You got to get the crop in the ground. You got to get the crop in the ground. Got to get the crop in the ground. Got to get the crop in the ground. Got to get the crop out of the ground. Got to get it out. Got to get it out. Maybe you're a CPA, uh, I, I got to get the taxes done, got to get the taxes, maybe you're a student, got to get the paper done, got to get the paper done, Cahill's going to kill me, I got to have it in. I got a quiz to do, I got work to do, I got emails to answer, I got people depending on me, I have to get it in, I have to get it in, I have to get it in, got to do it. God says, take a rest anyway. I came across some interesting stories this week about lost production. Heard about a construction company that was trying to get a piece of highway done, uh, and the foreman of the whole project said, they're not giving us any, any days off. We have to work and kind of constantly work uh, to try and get the thing done on time. And he said, the problem is when they don't give us a day off, we lose production. Our efficiency goes from like 80% to about 30%. Because we got no rest. There was a story about CPAs, tax people during tax season that were working day after day and day after day without a stop. They, they failed to cease. They said uh, the number of miskeyed numbers increases dramatically. When there's no rest. See, there might actually be a practical reason just to stop, just to say, I'm going to reset. I'm going to be more productive tomorrow than I was today because I got to do something that was a delight to me. God gave me an automatic reset button. He gave me a snow day. And if that's not enough for you, if it's not enough to say your productivity might be greater tomorrow than it was today during those six days that you're going to be working, uh, then maybe it is that you just need to ask those people that live around you. It's not just lost production at work. It's probably lost personal stability and control at home. How many of you, day after 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 day, you just continue to work and you continue to work and your hours are longer and you're more anxious and you're restless? Are you irritable? 
And if you're not irritable, in the middle of your mind, are you beginning to become resentful of everyone around you that doesn't work as hard as you are? Are you beginning to say things like, I don't understand why everybody doesn't work as hard as I do. They must not care like I care, because if they cared like I care, then they would work. Is that you? Are you becoming the victim with everyone around you now becoming the person who is throwing arrows because they work or you work and they don't? God says, if you want to be healthy, take a day. Take one day of seven, 24 hours, and cease. Now, I don't know what your schedules are like. I don't wake up with you at 8 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. or whenever you decide to get up, I'm not with you. But all I can tell you is the commitment that I've made. Over the last year, I've decided that there's a 24-hour period that I'm going to take a Sabbath. Now, some of you don't know this about me, but I happen to be pretty busy. I'm a preacher. You know that. For some of you, you think preachers work one day a week. I've heard all the jokes. Don't tell them to me afterwards. But next to all this that I try and get ready for on a Sunday like today, I, I've decided in a crazy weird world that we live in that I'm going to be a full-time professor at a Bible college down in Omaha. I do that every day. Next to that, I've decided for some crazy weird reason uh, that I've decided that my education is important enough that I want to go back to school, so I'm working on a doctorate. And I'm writing a dissertation like right now. That means when I'm not doing preaching and I'm not doing school stuff, I'm probably in my office trying to figure out how to write this dissertation in a way that I'm going to pass. Now, when I'm not writing dissertation or writing a sermon or teaching in a class or in my office, then I'm probably coaching one of my two children's soccer teams. When I'm not doing that, I'm trying to figure out how to be a good father and a good husband. I'm trying to figure out how to love my neighbors, even when I'm tired. I don't tell all of you all of that about me so that you'll come and go, wow, you're a really busy guy. Some of that is my own stupidity, okay? I say it to say, if you're busy... If you have a lot of work to do, I want you to hear me say, I understand. I know what it's like to come home and you're tired and you don't want to do any more, and yet you got to get up the next morning and do it again. 
And if personal testimony means anything, it has meant the world to me to say, from the time my fingers leave the keyboard on Friday afternoon and evening until about that same time on Saturday, I don't touch my sermon, I don't touch my computer, I'm not answering emails in case it's a great emergency. Because I think for my own personal health, for my own growth and trying to be more like Jesus, I have to rest. And I think what God is saying to all of us this morning is rest is best. Take the Sabbath. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for this Sabbath, and I pray, Lord, uh, that all of us in this room will find a 24-hour period of time in which we celebrate who you are by resting, by delighting in the things that you have given to us in this life. Lord, I pray that you will challenge us. And Lord, in your challenging, I pray that you will make a way for us to see that you will take care of us even when we take that day. Lord, we thank you for this Sabbath. May you make us healthy. May you make us whole. And may we be more like you tomorrow than today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.